the 14 News Podcast with your host, James Coppert. Hi, I'm Inkers. So this is it, the uh, Q&A episode. We did one a couple of years ago and the feedback was really, really positive. People enjoyed it. So it's good to do another one. Thank you to everyone that has sent in questions, comments or everything else. There's some random ones, I won't lie, um, but I like that. And we're going to make this as interesting as possible. And I promised I will read out every single question that has been sent in. So without further ado, welcome to the second 14 Q&A session. to do this tonight so thank you to every single person that has sent in questions we're going to read them all um last time i did this people responded immediately sending more questions in or asking questions about some of the subjects that we've spoken about so feel free to do that at 40 news podcast at gmail.com um you can also go on twitter Instagram, Facebook, anywhere like that, and ask away. Also on the TikTok, the videos are up there. As I say, that's gone absolutely wild. Um, I think I've got over 10,000 followers now. So yeah, go on there. The videos, I update quite quite regularly with just ghost stories. When I'm traveling around, I like to do a quick video and put things up there. Um, so that's some more content that you can, you can look at. Although you do have to look at my ugly mug. That's the only downside to it. It has been uh, overwhelming, though, how how <laughs> much it's taken off. Um, I think, was it this weekend where three different people um, stopped me as they recognised me from the videos? Um, obviously, it does quite well locally, um, but it, the, the videos get posted on different platforms as well, um, and it's amazing how many people are watching them. So, yeah, it's really um, quite humbling. Um, I never, never thought it'd take off as, as big as it has. So, um, yeah... I also want to thank everyone for the, the messages of support as well after I just put out that last message. I am in a difficult place, but within that, you know, it's an, enabled me to kind of beat my um, my fibromyalgia because I ended up going to the gym more. Um, I've started doing other things to kind of um, be more at peace with myself. And um, I often find within the, kind of the darkest periods of your life, sometimes six months down the line, you look back and reflect and you see that there was a point to it it was a transition or it had meaning and you know if you believe in what i believe in um in terms of you know why we're here the the whole point is this suffering and and allowing growth and learning from within it so you can drown in it or you can take things from it and i think um i'm trying to take things from it at times i have been drowning but um and i know some of you as well that are also parents to children with additional needs and you also know that constant fight and the amount of extra paperwork and all these other things and meetings that takes up so much of your life so being a single parent working full-time doing that and doing a lot of campaigning as well I've been doing a lot of campaigning as, as you know regular listens, listeners will hear for ADHD um, some of you might have seen an article I published in a, um, a broadsheet a couple of weeks ago as well so constantly doing all these things, which just hasn't allowed me time to do the podcast and just extra work as well. But we are getting there. 
and um, I feel I'm almost caught up. I reckon a couple more weekends where I'm also working and want to get those out of the way and can actually have space in my diary during the week, I'll be able to start writing again and getting a proper show out. But we're going to do this Q&A. Um, as, I, as I said, I'm going to read out every single question. And if you have a question, no matter how silly, get it there. And what I will say is what I love about the Fortean and the whole reason I do this journey is my thoughts and opinions will continually evolve and change as I go on. So this will be the expiry date of this is as soon as it's out. It's I've probably changed my mind. So, um, yeah, um, feel free to, to comment and ask further questions. So without further ado, let's take away with question number one. So Mandy asks a non fortune question, but that's all right. I said you could ask anything. Um, how do you deal with heartbreak? I wish I knew the answer. I think it is the hardest thing to deal with in many aspects. I've been dealing, I've been going out into the the forest. I find that quite, um, I find serenity there. I find it tri- quite tranquil. It allows me to um, move and um, meditate and, you know, just, just get away from things and, and give myself space to think. I also, one of my favourite ever facts is they did a, a study of streets with the same demographic on the street so the same kind of class employment levels etc etc um one street had loads of trees on and one street had no trees and in each time with each demographic on these different types of streets the streets with trees had less people that were on um, medication for anxiety and depression there was less instances of domestic abuse and all these type of things which is amazing so there's something to say that spiritually or our natural state is to be amongst trees so that's been really good I've also been making music as well but I think heartbreak is with grief where someone's died you can rationalize and by rationalizing you can compartmentalize that grief because you have acceptance that that person's gone. I think with heartache, it's different because you have to have that acceptance that that person's gone, but they're still alive. So it's harder to compartmentalize it because it becomes irrational because love in itself is anarchic and irrational as a concept, isn't it? Um, But I think everyone's different, aren't they, into what they do and why. Um, I'm going to continue to make more music, write more poetry and um, (laughs) probably just carry on going a little bit more mad. So yeah, that's a that's a great question though. Um, I'm sure other people will send in how they deal and manage with it. Um, but no, it's not fun. So much love and a virtual hug to anyone in the world that is going through heartbreak. Um, and I hope you feel better soon. Um, this one's from Skin Seventy Seven. That's asked: Skinwalkers, real or BS? That's a really good question. I think some of it could be mistaken identity. I mean, I came um, the other a few weeks ago. I decided to come out near kick-out time. Um, I'd been to a, a gig in Manchester. So I didn't get back to Scarborough till about one or two. And having seen people normally at kick-out time when I've had a few drinks, seeing them sober, I realised how uh, some people could mistake a lot of the punters for um, skinwalkers, you know. Um <laughs> But um, being serious, I think, you know, one of my morals and ethics in, in doing the show and in my paranormal investigations and my research is, um, one of my philosophies is 
um, believe in the possibility of everything and be skeptical of everything. And skinwalker is an interesting one because it's there throughout Native American history, isn't it? But I did a, a video the other day. I went to the this graveyard. There's a village near here called Cloughton. And um, I don't know if everyone's seen the video. I went around midnight and um, you can see it on TikTok. And I told the story that basically, and the, the thing is what makes this more interesting is I actually, it's not just a local ghost story. I know the people involved and they're both, if you meet them and they tell you something, they're both the type of people that you believe and you know through the work that I do day to day in my job um, I like to feel that I have a, a good judgment on on who is hyperbolic who doesn't tell the truth who is really honest um, who expands the truth etc etc and I would say that these two people that I'm going to tell this story about are very genuine honest people I'm going to keep them anonymous because I've, I've not got consent um, to, to say the names but basically um, this lady was walking in Carlton Graveyard and saw what she can only describe as a big dog walking on its hind legs as a human through the graveyard with glowing red eyes she screamed, ran home told her dad and the dad said I've seen exactly the same thing. So there was that confirmation. It's a crazy story. And the thing is with all th all these things, I mean, one of the reasons, you know, is um, there'll be a question about this later, so I won't go into too much. But without experiencing things, you're, it's quite difficult for the brain to conceptualise it as a reality. Imagine you'd never seen an aeroplane in your life. that You didn't know they existed. And I said to you that someone made something out of massive, heavy pieces of metal that you could sit in and fly through the sky. You would think that it was impossible, wouldn't you? Be until you'd, you'd kind of seen it and witnessed it and had that acceptance. I know that's not the greatest analogy. So with things like Bigfoot and skinwalkers, it is difficult for me to, to believe in their existence. But then I do believe that other people have seen and witnessed it so then you've got when it's been throughout history for centuries there's been that idea but what exactly is the skinwalker you know is the skinwalker just someone wearing um an animal mask that is part of shamanic tradition in native american culture you know so that that, that would say skinwalkers exist but there's also been an increase in police reports like genuine police reports one of my favorite i can't remember what state it's in but a um, a police officer was... And you can imagine a police officer putting in a report and how much ridicule that that officer would get and be so nervous to do so. So unless it actually happened, you would think rationally that they wouldn't report this. So whatever reason, if they were mistaken, they stopped at a bridge. It was late at night and there was a man in a plaid shirt and jeans smoking on the bridge. The police officer stopped Ask this, um, ask this man if he was okay. And he turned around and it wasn't a man. It was a humanoid but with a dog's head. The police officer, obviously, as, I, as most people would, um, pooped his pants and sped off at great speed and looked in the, in the passenger window 
this skinwalker, if that's what it was, was running alongside the car, looking in, just keeping up with this police car driving at quite a pace until he really put his foot down. I think this was 70 he was going when he first looked and saw it. Um, there seemed to be smoking a lot as well. So there's lots of stories out there um, involving the police that catch skinwalkers smoking. So for those that don't know what the skinwalker is, I'm just talking as if everyone has, has an idea. In Native American culture, there was, um, you know, tribal shamans and healing people. But some people would do a heinous act in order to be able to have transformation ability to to change into shape and form. And they're often seen as um, hounds and wolfmen. I mean, we've got stories near here of the old stinker. Um, so Humminbee, some of you will be aware of Paul Sinclair and his work, but Humminbee's Hound Man by originally, supposedly, um, and this werewolf, interdimensional werewolf, is often seen um, appearing and disappearing and has done throughout history in this area of, of North Yorkshire. So there are these traditions all over the world of these dog-faced people. I think, was it Captain Cook that went on an island as well? I've not done any research or writing for the show. I'm just going off, off the cuff. So I think it was Captain Cook came to an island and found dog-headed people. And this is recorded as a genuine thing. It wasn't just him, it was witnessed by his crew as well. So, you know, these people seem to exist all over the world in different forms and different stories. And we look at Egypt as well and those kind of figures and, and where they came from, come from. So do they, do they exist? Do I believe they exist? I believe that there's definitely the roots of something that forms stories about it. And I do believe that people are seeing them um, until I experience it, and this is what people probably find interesting about what I do and what I believe, it's very hard for me to say definitively they exist or not until I have actually had that experience. But is there a possibility? I, I mean, I've I've seen enough and witnessed enough to know that reality is, is nothing but a concept <laughs> in this world and they're to test us. And so could could skinwalkers exist then potentially then there's the tulpa theory that if enough people believe they exist then that creates the existence in itself anyway so um i don't know if that answered it or just didn't answer it whatsoever but it's a great question this next question is from gary num two and he's put how old were you when you saw your first ghost again a really good question i did a I did an interview on a american podcast years ago um, about this so I had an imaginary friend that wasn't an imaginary friend so as a young age even as a toddler but it would only be in this one house so it, this imaginary friend didn't come to different houses with me and it freaks my parents out and they, they've both told me in in you know all genuineness both separately they didn't you know they don't speak anymore but that when I was a toddler, they I used to say, right, I'm going to bed. And I'd go upstairs and shut the door. And then they'd hear me talking to my imaginary friend. And sometimes they'd hear my imaginary friend respond, <laughs> but in a different voice to my own. And um, we'd also play hide and seek. And they would say, so my imaginary friend was called Aggie, which is 
what my daughter's named after, strangely. Um, but we play hide and seek, and then they they would see things like they'd say, "Oh, who's behind the curtains?" And it's Aggie, and the curtains would be moving, freaking my parents out. So I imagine that was my first imaginary friend, although I don't remember it. I only know the stories that my parents have told me. I think the first one that I remember, the first time I saw a ghost as a ghost that was proper terrifying, was um, when I lived in Finham. And I just woke up one morning, which means it could be um, a dream, obviously. But there was a, a what what looked like a Roman soldier, but up to his knees in my room, just stood there with armour and a spear. And um, I did find out that in Finham, you can look it up, that there was a Roman fort, but then little outposts, little outpost towers. And um, and that's why my TikTok page is called Confessions of the Ghost Boy, because I stupidly went to school the next day and told people and got called Ghost Boy and was ridiculed from there on. So, um, yeah, that was kind of my first experience. And I was scared. I was really scared because it was this kind of... It was full colour but translucent person in my room. It didn't look at me, it didn't interact, nothing like that. Um, but it was there, you know, and then just kind of fizzled out. I remember it was a really hot summer's day as well, so the light was streaming in my room, it was, you know, bright, it wasn't like there was darkness and I, I saw something. And I seem to remember being clearly awake. It stuck in my memory and I was very young. So, um, but yeah, poltergeist activities occurred around me since being a young kid as well that used to freak my parents out. They've got loads of stories that they'll, they'll tell you about that. Um, precognition, all these strange kind of things that have occurred throughout my life for whatever reason. But again, you know, as I've spoken about lots on this show, linking it to the, um, there's a lot of, um, not a lot, there's a group of psychologists in the States that have kind of teamed together that have noticed a lot of this occurs around um, patients with ADHD in particular, um, neurodiversity, but especially ADHD. So they will, parents would come with the kids with ADHD, they'd talk about everything else, and then kind of at the end, they'd nervously go, oh, and um, I just, can I just ask this? And then they'd, you know, talk about polygeist activity or precognition or telekinesis and all these strange, impossible things that seem to occur. Um, and I was, am, but as a child, I was exceptionally ADHD into the point of, you know, I think I sometimes used to sleep one hour a day as a baby and scream and, you know, real <laughs> feel sorry for my parents. But whatever that energy is and whatever that, um, I know this, if you look online as well, there's some articles on indigo children and ADHD. That's worth looking at. So, yeah, I've always had experiences, but they were my earliest ones. So people that have sent in questions with a surname, I'm just going to say their first name. So this one's from Terry. Um, first of all, Terry says, man, ignore the ones who ridicule out of childish fear. Um, I just want to say, Terry, like, thank you so much for your support. I, I do get this all the time. And it's, it goes back to almost what I was saying, though. Um, had I not experienced anything, I would probably be the most sceptical, um, judgmental person there is. Like, genuinely, I, c I can be honest enough to, to admit that. I'm very rational. I'm very scientific. And... Um, this stuff doesn't make sense. It's impossible, isn't it? So my logical, rational brain in, in life looks for things that are rational and, you know, whether it's, you know, in terms of social um, 
ideas, everything like that. It's it's what makes sense, you know. What what if it doesn't make sense, then why are we doing it? So um, to to think of anything like poltergeist activity, if I hadn't witnessed it, I'd be like, it's interesting that so many people believe in it, but to me, it's impossible. But when you do witness it, you 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 know you have to kind of completely change your views and I do love it when people that are skeptics or absolute debunkers like the hardcore debunkers then have an experience that they can't explain I think it's very beautiful when that occurs because you have to come to a different realization and see the entire world with a different point of view so I don't get too cross with them I do get wound up with sometimes the sorry my, my tummy's rumbling a bit with those that are so wed, it's almost like the church of science, where they're so wed to science that they're, they come with a counteracting argument that is so beyond wild that the it's more believable that someone got kidnapped by aliens than the, some of the, the, the big hoops and hurdles that they put in place that you've got to go through to explain everything. Or they'll explain one part of... 50 things that have occurred and say that's what it is so um i do have a lot of entertainment in in winding those people up um but i'm going to uh i'm going to answer your question so what's what are your thoughts on the parallel universe um are ghosts on one level so yeah i, I do so the residual hauntings that we see um when we're talking about ghosts again i when someone says to me do you believe in ghosts i say define ghosts because there are, as I've, I'm not going to keep saying as I've said on the show, because I talk all the time, but I think there are three types of ghosts. So when I'm doing my investigations as well with my, my team, shout out to my team if you're listening, amazing group of people. Um, so uh, I believe they're the residual ghosts, what we call residual, that are the same thing that reoccurs continuously throughout time. And they're never going to change you can't interact with them um and you know all those type of things um one of my favorite that i always talk about of this is uh gainsborough old hall i think it's is it near lincoln and um gainsborough old hall has a woman that was in tudor dress and she walks down the corridor um and she's been seen for centuries, walking down the corridor, and then she turned right and went through the wall. This happened that much. This is like an English heritage protected site. So they're very careful in preserving what was there. But it happened that often that they actually knocked um, a hole where she goes through the wall. And they found an old Tudor doorway that would have been in the very spot. So they've, they've knocked it out now. So um, you can see the door frame of where she walks. So she's been seen for centuries. Now, if I built a wall across that, she would still follow that same path. So that's one type of ghost. Then we've got the ghosts that appear during um, crisis, crisis apparitions. So when someone dies or is, is really ill, that they're seen, you know. So someone, someone's dad is in Australia and he's about to pass away and he will suddenly be seen just before he dies in in the room in the space um and again i've known people that have had that experience um or immediately after they've died a really good friend of mine um i won't say a name again i haven't got consent um but 
when she was in her teens, she her mum was really poorly with cancer, and she went to bed, and um, around nine o'clock, her mum walked in and sat down on her bed, and just sat staring at her, and um, she thought this was really odd. She's like, why isn't she talking? Why is she just staring at me? And the next morning, she got up and found out that at something like 8.50, her mum had died. And that was immediately after. So that, those are really common. And, and there's certain, you know, when my brother passed away, um, I'm not sure I've told this story before, but when my brother passed away, I think it was three days after he passed away, um, he was stood at the end of my bed, as solid and as real as he was when he was alive. 100% like I was awake I have absolutely no doubt about it. I was wide awake and I saw him. And that was more scary than, <laughs> weirdly, than if he was like an apparition. If he's an apparition, I would have been comforted. 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 That's better. I said that wrong. Um, I would have been comforted. But because he was solid, it, it, it was really jarring because I'd seen him in the morgue and then he was there. Um, and then when I looked up again, because I like when I woke my my partner at the time up, I was like, oh, "My brother's at the end of the bed." And then when we looked, he'd he'd gone, he'd vanished. But that afternoon, I, I rang my granddad and I said, "You're not going to believe what happened." And I told him, and he said, "That's really strange." He, well, he spoke like he's like, "It's really strange, Jamie." Um, I I was having a nap after my lunch. I won't carry on doing the impression. But um, and he told me that my my he woke up because someone was pulling his glasses off his face, and he woke up and looked up and my brother was stood, like pulling his glasses and laughing his head off and then vanished, and then what was really strange, is I ran my mum, and that she'd had an experience that day as well with him turning around and he was there in the kitchen and again just vanished. Now all three of us on the same day had had seen him, but then never seen him again since then. And there seems to be a period of days where these, um, whatever occurs, whether people believe it's the soul or whether it's the memories that, of our consciousness that's creating it, converging all in one, but it only seems to last a certain period of days and then, and then doesn't seem to occur again afterwards. So those, those type of things. And then there's the poltergeist, which is so often attributed to, to ghosts and dead people. But again, regular listeners to this show or anyone that's heard me do other interviews on other shows will know that I don't believe that poltergeist, from all of my research, spending a lot of time with poltergeist, um, I, I don't believe that poltergeist are anything to do with dead people. I think they respond to what you ascribe to them. So if you start believing it is the dead, a dead person because you found out a dead person, uh, someone died in that house, for example, then the poltergeist will start responding and, and react to that and start given the evidence that it is that because it's a consciousness i believe that interacts with your consciousness and i will finish writing my book about the poltergeist one day and consciousness it's all about consciousness i i believe if you believe that poltergeist or you start telling people in the house that a poltergeist is the ghost of a, a badger that walks on hind legs you will see or people will start to see from their like communal belief will start to see evidence of a badger i genuinely believe that it wouldn't be an ethical experiment to do because people would be terrified but um I, d I do believe that that's how and why it occurs um so the dimensions is is interesting isn't it because 
in terms of quantum quantum physics and the multiverse, you know, time is a perception and, and just a human concept. It doesn't actually exist. So there are different times at play. This conversation is going on maybe in a different way in many different universes, parallel universes, if, if what the quantum physicist state is, is, is true. So is there something that occurs where it's not stone tape theory that you the ghosts are, are recorded, although it's interesting, isn't it, that places that have high limestone, um, you know, look at castles often where that have metal in it and magnetic ability seem to store certain energies and project them out again. That is interesting. So that's that stone tape theory, although it has been debunked as a theory. Um, but but is there certain factors? And again, some of you might have heard me on Jim Harrell's campfire where I tell a story um, that belongs in my family of, of a perfect example of this reoccurring, where it's a traumatic event. So maybe that woman, um, that Tudor woman, was walking knowing that she was... Um, got into a trial, for example, where she potentially could be killed. Did did that energy and emotion then bleed through and it continues replaying? Another one, a perfect one, that really display, displays an example of this. So my uncle, when he was in his teens, was driving along and um, an incident occurred and he came home and woke my granddad up and he was crying his eyes out. And my granddad you know, said, what's the matter? And he told him they were driving along. They came to a roundabout. Just before they came to a roundabout, they hit this girl and this girl vanished. They couldn't find her anywhere. They saw the car hit her but couldn't find her. Looked everywhere. Looked around everywhere. They drove home. This was obviously before mobile phones, etc. Drove home, told my granddad. My granddad said, we need to call the police. They called the police and this is when you got put through to your local station. The police officer said to my granddad on the phone, my granddad, a very call a spade a spade person, you know, no nonsense, said um, that the police officer told him, don't worry, we'll go and investigate, obviously, but a girl had died there a few months ago and this has been repeatedly happening. So, you know, that that's another example, um, and I can give his name because... He allowed me to share this with the uh, Paranormal Research Society, where he was driving along near near Hummerby, of all places we were talking about, in his van, and a man appeared um, right in front of his car and almost like rolled over backwards and and vanished. And um, doing a little further research, this this had occurred um, to to other people driving on that road. So obviously that person's been hit and the energy from that keeps kind of bleeding throughout time. Now, are they just appearing because they are still being hit in the past or is it something, is it like an echo reverberating through time? Um, who knows? And it, it can only ever be a hypothesis because you can't ever test it, can you? So that was a, a big ramble on, on that, but I hope it gives, hope it gives an answer. This next one's from Tony. Do I think that Tupac is still alive? I do love, I do love these conspiracies. What's interesting is, is there's Tupac and Biggie, isn't there? And you don't get as many conspiracies that Biggie's alive. And I don't know why that is. But you do with Tupac. And there was um, 
you know, there's some of his stuff that's like said, they're, they're like uh, mixed up all the words to, to say that he's alive and all this and he's been seen. But no, I think he is dead. I think he is dead. I think someone like Tupac, if, when, when you're a musician, a true musician, you can't help but make music. It's, it's almost like a drug addiction. It's not something that you can switch off. If you're a creative person, you need to create. Otherwise, you no longer are able to exist. And I think if Tupac was alive, we would have a comeback album without a doubt. And I think that is the biggest proof that we need. Do you know what I mean? So Pirate Asylum asks, Police cover-ups of UFO sightings over Guildford, Surrey, back on the 16th of July, 2021. I don't know what this is. You'll have to fill me in. Can you send me the info? Because I don't know this case. I know that Guildford and Surrey is a bit of a hotbed of UFO activity and that recent government files have um, have been released that tells some of them, like a star-shaped UFO and triangle lights, but that was um, not in 2021. That was a, a long time before, I think in the 90s. So, yeah, send me that. I, I can't answer if it was a cover-up. I think it's interesting where we are at the moment with UFOs, though, because they are being put out there, not as not being covered up. And... Um, yeah, but I think there's a question about that anyway. So we'll come on to that. But yeah, send me the Guildford Surrey um, info and I'll have a look at it. I'll be really interested to read it. So thank you for your question. So this one is from someone called C. What's the scariest encounter you've ever had? So, yeah, I've had some. Um, you know, I know I've got a bit of a reputation because... You know, like I'm doing this stunt going with the Black Monk on my own. I mean, right now it is half past 12 at night and, you know, I'm in a house on my own. Um, my son's out and my daughter's having a sleepover at a friend's. And it's a place with poltergeist activity, this house. It's calmed down quite a lot this past kind of like year compared to normal. But I'm trying to picture me being in 30 East Drive in darkness on my own. And what that is going to feel like. And when you're in somewhere that there is a negative presence, whatever that is, then it, I think it can be intimidating and scary. For me, um, you know, I think some of the scariest things that have happened is when I've done investigations and you have been physically attacked. Um, there was this one place where my, my hands were really itchy suddenly and I couldn't work out why. Um, there was no, there, not I couldn't work out why. There was no reason for them to be why. And when I looked at my hands, right across the backs of my arms were were uh, across the back of my hands were like ligature marks. It looked like I had a rope tied across my hands, um, or had had a rope, I should say, and left indentations and red marks across my hands, like literally, like someone had just tied up my hands and you've just pulled the rope off, and that was what what was left. Um, I did have photos of it, but it was on my old phone, so um, which got waterlogged, sadly. But that that same place also, when I challenged, there was a thing that was really, whatever it was, was targeting women. And I went in as a, a six-foot-two big chap and kind of challenged it in return. And when I walked away after that experience, I did have, like scratch marks that drew blood um on my on my stomach so that's always interesting 
when when that that occurs or that that is exceptionally rare i have to say but in all honesty the scariest one and again if you go on the tiktok i tell the story um was what what i call the demon house because that place was it, it scares me now it genuinely scares me now i think it scares me more than 30 east drive does in pontefract um or any other place that you will you will take me because i think my experience of it and again, I've, I've spoken about this over the years. It's in Brompton by Sodden. It was originally a medieval house. Emphasis on the evil. Um, the, the, I'm not going to go into the whole story because it would be a whole podcast doing it. But, but to cut a long story short, the previous owners before us, had the um, patriarch of the family had, had taken his own life and um, the owner before that, the patriarch of the family, had taken his own life. When we lived in that house, it, w- it was something out directly out of uh, the things that you would see in a horror film at the cinema. Everything from random puddles of water appearing, um, swarms of flies just suddenly appearing and disappearing, not vanishing in thin air, but there'll be, you know, one day there'll just be loads of flies, swarms, loads, everywhere. And then there wouldn't be, um, you know, to the, the amount of bad luck and negativity that occurred. My dad left because he said he would have committed suicide had he not, had he stayed. And he's a different human being to the person that I've ever interacted with since. That house made him dark and depressed. My mum had attempted suicide many times in that house. Um... She also ended up in a coma after a really serious accident. My family went bankrupt when they were there. Um, my brother did eventually commit suicide. I felt suicidal in that house. But there was also, you know, numerous people. There was poltergeist activity regularly, so things would occur. Um, you would hear running upstairs, like someone running and really banging their feet on the ground, but it was almost like they were running through walls. And that would purposely target you if you were on your own in the house. You would hear it. But if you went upstairs, it would stop. And then you'd come back down and you hear it again. People, you know, terrified means turn to stone. My, I remember seeing my brother for a good few hours, so scared he couldn't talk because an apparition of a man appeared in his room. Around me, it was things moving more than anything, I mean, things flying around. You, One time I was with my mum, we both turned around and this bowl was literally just hovering in air and shaking just in midair like that, and then just dropped to the floor. Um, I was with friends, so it wasn't just on my own. There were witnesses where we'd, we'd see things fly across the room, get thrown, um, you know, horizontally, not like just something dropping off the shelf. I mean, and I mean, like the full length of the room. Um, often I had a cockatiel, and he would start hissing and going mad. This would sometimes be in the middle of the night when I was asleep. I'd wake up to my cockatiel acting as if a fox was about to get it, for example, you know, hissing, flapping, going mad in its cage, and then things would start flying around the room. So that that was terrifying. I was a child, and, um, you know, other people had come around and see things. So someone saw a girl crouching in the corner of the room, um, and, you know, people would come around and never come around again because they were so scared. So many people saw different things. And... Um, the, it, like I said, it would be a whole podcast if I went into it all. But to cut a long story short, I was outside one night in the yard, and you can t- 
take of this what it will, but this is my perception. Um, I was maybe about 16, and I, yeah, I was stood there, and, and it was dark, and I heard someone running behind me. I turned around, and what I saw was a figure that was so black that it was almost a black beyond the, uh, the, the colour black that we, we know with our eyes. It was a black that had almost sucked every other bit of light out of it. It was humanoid in shape, but it was just a black hole in the world. And it dripped with a hatred. It, you could just feel hate, a hatred towards humans. That's what it felt like. And I know some people could listen and think I'm, I'm mad and you're entitled to do that. Because if someone told me, I don't know if I'd believe it. And people tell me stories like this all the time. And I'm sat there thinking, I love your story, but I'm not sure I believe it. But of course, like, you know, hand on heart, it happened to me. It sprinted past me as close as it could without actually touching me and then ran around the corner. And I didn't even run to see where it went. I, I ran in the house as fast as I could. That, that thing whatever it was, was was scary. I guess if something was demonic, if that's what you believe, and that's your kind of belief system, then it would be something like that. But, yeah. And, and do you know, if I was... if I've got two kids. If I was made homeless tomorrow and I had a choice of sleeping on the streets... And this is, this is on my life, this is my... <laughs> um, my word of, of truth. Or... They would give me that house, which is probably worth quite a lot of money now. It's been done up and everything. Um, I, I would, I'd rather sleep on the streets. I would not take that house. I would not want my family in that house, genuinely. So um, after living there, the black month doesn't scare me as much, you know. Um, and people, I know people watch me do investigations and think I'm a bit mad. I live stream investigations quite frequently where I go places. There's a quarry in the middle of a forest and um, I go there at midnight on my own and live stream and do investigations. Um, it's, you know, part of the thing that I do and people think I'm mad because why aren't I scared? But most of the time, things can't hurt you. Pollock can't really hurt you, don't really hurt you on the whole. They're just entertaining to me. Um, but it is... There's some things... <laughs> I tell you, I, let me give you an example. When when I've gone in homes where there's been domestic abuse, there you can normally, as someone who's empathic, pick it up in the house the second you walk in. You can sense it and feel it. There's that darkness there. And there are some things in some houses that feel like that, but they're not the family. They're, there's something else that gives that feeling. That scares me. They're the things that scare me. If I go to a place and there's just loads of Pollock guys activity and apparitions and everything, I will go in there with excitement and, and enjoy it. And if things are thrown around, I'll be like, oh, amazing, can you do that again, rather than being scared, you know? Um, because I don't see it as a threat. I just see it as something that's... I'm not going to do my whole thing about the why, why Pollock guys activity occurs again, because, again, it'll be a five-hour show. But I see that as something... Interesting to challenge reality, but there is a darkness, there's also a light, 
and I don't like to give the darkness any type of consent. So this one is from Fuzzy DJ. Um, gay, bi or straight? Sorry, I had to. <laughs> um, I am I'm heterosexual um, until I see a man that I'm attracted to. That's what I'll say. Um, I haven't yet, out of all the thousands of men I've met. Um, for some reason, though, I do attract gay men. I do not know why. Um, I don't seem to be very popular with... I go out on a night out, and if I'm going to get chatted up, it's by a, a gay man, with, a, a, without a doubt. I went to London recently. Um, again, as regular listeners know, I'm, I'm from London originally, a big Chelsea supporter. When I got off the train at King's Cross, within five minutes I've been propositioned by two men. Um, I don't know what it is about me, about my vibes I give off or anything. But um, and, and, and it's funny because I, I say this to women and women don't get it because they say I'm really, I come across to them as quite masculine. But for some reason, I, I don't know why. <laughs> um, yeah, but... I do have a bit of an odd sexuality because I think part of the issue is why I struggle sometimes is I don't find hardly any anyone attractive at all. There's got to be so many things to do with it. So someone could be aesthetically beautiful, but if they're not interesting, then I can't be sexually attracted to them. So the, don't get me wrong, I've got to find them beautiful, aesthetically beautiful. Um to, to be attracted to them as well uh, I know some people you know one, one of my exes was like that where she um she'll find someone interesting and date them and a couple, one of my friends as well is like this that the interesting or charisma or intelligence that they're attracted to and that's who they'll end up dating because of that and and not so much on what they look like but then I will say if I'm honest to them that doesn't seem to last long um their relationships where, but yeah, if someone, I'm I'm definitely sapiosexual. So like, if someone's intelligent, that really gets me going. I really enjoy that, and and find someone attractive who's intelligent and can engage me or challenge me in conversation. Um, someone with a massive personality and character as well. So all those things put together and talent. If they've got talent as well, um, that that makes um, makes me find them really attractive. So I don't know what that is, but yeah that, that's me but it makes it quite difficult to find people so um i did i did try tinder and uh i think i went on a a radius that took in three cities as well as this local area and i think i swiped right twice <laughs> until i ran out of people genuinely um but that's weird anyway isn't it such a weird thing because that is just on aesthetics um alone and I don't fancy many people aesthetically either. So, um, but when I do, uh, I'm very, I'm very sexual as well. So not fancy many people um, and, and being single um, and being very sexual just isn't a, a pleasurable combination. Let's put it that way. And uh, yeah, plus the fact my, uh, I believe my ex is still the most beautiful woman in, in the world. So um, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's where we are right now. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? But yeah, thank you for your question. This next question is from Debs the Dogmum. Can you sometimes only see half a ghost, like just the bottom? Again, a really good question. Um, and the answer is yes. And I've got a recent story to tell you. So 
the the more skeptic person in my paranormal team, whose job it is to be the more skeptic mind, um, has has had to kind of reevaluate. He's probably listening. So big shout out to Sam. Um, he he recently went to a gig. I think it was went to see the Midnight, a band, and um, in Manchester, and he stayed at a hotel. And as he was walking up up the stairs, he saw half of a woman in a dress um, walking up the stairs. So obviously he had to um, reassess his, his views. Now, why half a woman's walking up the stairs? I don't know whether there was something in the way previously, again, that's bleeding through. Um, I don't know. He did go and ask at the desk and other people had seen it as well, not just him, which, which is that validation, which is amazing. And of course, again, if you on the TikTok, I told the story in the, um, the, the really famous story in the house in York where a policeman was doing some work, an ex-policeman was doing some work with his son in the basement and he heard some trumpets and everything and was terrified as he saw a legion of Romans walking, but they were only up to their knees. So they're walking along the ground, but up to their knees in the ground. And when they actually then excavated, they found a Roman road underneath the floor. So that can sometimes occur as well. But there are, you know, in, in Cornwall, there's famous stories of just hands. Um, Bodmin as well. Bodmin Moor has got, I think it's Bodmin Moor, has hands that, that grip the steering wheel and people have seen them. Um, people take photos down in Cornwall and um, they'll look and there's just an extra pair of hands just in their picture that's been seen for, you know, for, for a good, like, 50, 60 years. Um, so, yeah, there are things that can just, obviously... Um, headless horseman as well. There's one in Filey. There's a horseman with no head, so that's missing. Um, was he decapitated or has his head just not come through? All these type of things. It's it's interesting. We don't know why, do we? Unless someone we know someone dies and then we go we see them in the future, and we can say someone had their arm chopped off and now they're appearing as either just an arm or without their arm. You know, residually twenty years on, then we can make an assessment then. But it's really hard to to know why. Obviously, if something's in the way previously we'll only see that um but yeah it's a really good question though so thank you i like that one uh, another one here it said uh, not really a question but some stories from around scarborough and surrounding areas would be great so um yeah I've, I've started doing some more of these so um again on my tiktok if you look so i did one uh, today actually i've uploaded and there, so there's Quay Street where there's six different ghost stories. So I'm going to do a few of those. That's six that I know. Hopefully more people come and tell me some of the different ones. And then another one I researched is just up from Quay Street um, called the Dog and Duck Lane. Now, there used to be two pubs either side of the lane um, about 130 years ago that have, they've gone now and houses have been built and it's in the way. But they're... That's famous for a story where there was a couple that were seen walking along, I think this was about 120 years ago, walking along, um, seemed happy enough, turned up the dog and duck lane. Then they started arguing. Um, they were heard and seen arguing. He then strangled his wife, so legend has it. After he strangled and killed his wife, he took out a knife and um, slit his own throat in a suicide. So now people will often hear screaming a man and a woman fighting look out the window to see what's going on see no one there um this is apparently a regular occurrence some people have even witnessed the murder taking place of a man in old clothing strangling um a lady 
Um, but also, both um, have been seen separately. So a woman seen crying, walking along um, Dog and Duck Lane, and then a man just seen wandering aimlessly on his own, looking really, really lost. Maybe in limbo, reliving the awful things that he's done throughout life. So I've done a video of that that you can go and see. And then I've done one tonight, which um, I won't upload for a couple of days, but that is about Mary. So Mary um, was working in um, in a house in Scarborough on, this, on Merchant Street. Merchant Street has a lot of um, tunnels at one time that go down under under the streets down into the um into the harbour where people could smuggle and bring in things and take out. Now Mary was a good Christian girl and um couldn't bear knowing the fact that this was going on, so she reported them to the authorities. Of course the authorities were corrupt. Someone notified the smugglers that Mary had reported them and that the authorities were coming round to investigate. So what they did was they um knocked down the tunnels but they kept Mary in there while they're not down the tunnels as a punishment and warning to other people. Um, so Mary was buried alive and died down in, locked in those, those tunnels. Now, nothing had occurred in that house until they were renovating it and the builders knocked down the walls and then loads of people straight away that day, as soon as they knocked the wall down to where the tunnels were, saw a lady in old clothing, walking around the house, which continues to this day. So there's some of the stories that I've been um, uploading and I will continue to do so. And if anyone has any local stories, um, I know there are a lot of local people that do listen to this podcast, please do get in touch and let me know. I'm happy to come and um, either do an interview with you or if you tell me the story um, and you want, to be, um, you want to be named, I can do that. Or if you want to remain, remain anonymous, I can do that as well and just do a, a, a story on location. But there's loads on there. There's, it's all that history as well of the area. But I do it wherever I go, whether it's in London or, you know, Manchester, everywhere I try and, and f- find a, a ghost story to fit in and, and tell it. Um, just been to Rip and Workhouse and actually did a mini investigation in there when we were walking around and that's up there as well. That was interesting. We, we got some definite results. What I'm going to do, um, because it is almost one now, it's ten to one, um, and I've still got to have a bath and get ready for bed, um, because I've got a big day tomorrow, so I'm going to upload this, and um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I've still got loads more questions, so I will do a part two um, after afterwards another night. Um, but in the meantime, if you've got any further questions, it, it could be daft, it could be ridiculous, um, you can ask anything. You ask me anything, I promise I'll answer. If it's really inappropriate, I'll just say it's inappropriate. Um, but please do send them in, and I'll be really happy to to um, to answer them. I hope you find it interesting, me waffling on. I know a lot of people, and again, I always say this, I don't know whether um, it's, it's a, <laughs> to find it offensive or not. So many people tell me that they listen to this just to go to sleep. But then again, I listen to um, the one that I'm really into at the moment that I keep listening to is... Um, What's it called? This is really good air, isn't it? Um, hang on a minute, it'll come to me. Mysterious Universe, an Australian podcast. And I love it, it's so interesting, but I also find it relaxing. So I like listening to that to go to sleep to at the moment. Um, but definitely one worth checking out. So um, yeah, I will, um, I'll upload this now. 
and uh, thank you for, for checking in. And uh, we'll, um, yeah, send, send more questions in and I will answer them. It could be about life or anything to do with anything Fortean. And I will do my best to give you the most honest answers that I can. So, yeah, take care, everyone. And, um, yeah, much love to you all. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fortean News Podcast. Please check the show notes for the link to coffee to buy James a cup of coffee to help him stay awake while he writes the show. You can also show your appreciation by leaving a review and telling your friends. Until next time.